Rask intercepts, two on one the other way. Minnesota in, a shot, score! Fiala makes it one nothing wild. Started off with Tyler Bischoff and Houston Radio. It does come up the near boards, Erickson Eck. He's got a path down the middle, Brodeen. It goes wide, a penalty was coming. They'll call it a goal. Yeah. It is a goal. If they were to award a penalty shot for an empty net, they award a goal, and that is what has happened. It's 2-0 Minnesota with five seconds to go in the contest, and that'll be all she wrote. Good. We weren't good. There's no sense asking me things about the game. I'm telling you, we laid an egg, so I'm not going to break it down for you. We sucked. We sucked. Boom. Said. That's the one. Golden Knights lost to Minnesota last night to nothing. They really struggle in Minnesota, but they played that game without Alex Petrangelo and without Mark Stone. And so my question is, are they simply a serious Mark Stone injury away from being useless on offense? I've got a great answer. Are you ready? I am. Whatever whatever Ben Gott said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do love... Uh, well, it's one game, and why not? Let's overreact and just say it's, it's the season's over, and uh, here come the Kings. But uh, it, it, it does. It <laughs> scored five last night and lost. Not a good game. Um, so it does. You're not glad anyone's hurt. I no one wants that. But you're right, Tyler, in that even though it's just one game, he's so good, and he makes everyone around him so better. It gives you like a glimpse, even if it's for one night. Like, okay, what if that guy was out for a long time? Like that, like it's it's fascinating to think about it and watch that game last night. And they they move Tuck up, um, who's been great. But like Ben said, again, it, then it weakens your bottom six. But uh, yeah, it's it just shows you one how good he is, and two, it does make you do like you're doing right now, like evaluating, like what if that guy was out a long time? Like it would be a completely different story, probably. Yeah, because you get shut out. They only have 26 shots. If you look at the the analytics, their expected goals was the fourth lowest that the Golden Knights have had in the last two seasons combined. Uh, they only had four high-danger chances the entire game. Um, is all of that because of Stone? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, it, but... it, and the Golden Knights were still good defensively. It's not like they were awful. They just didn't really produce much offensively. And maybe Stone misses Wednesday night and they score four goals and everything's fine. But there, to me, there, there's two things that stick out about missing Mark Stone. The first one is what... Ben Goats talked about, and it's the depth of this team. Um, yeah. We've talked about the fourth line. They're a disaster. Their Corsi last night was 36%. They're not good at all. But then that third line was Nick Waugh, Cody Glass, and Keegan Colasar. And they were all under 40% and expected goals last night. Uh, the Golden Knights have seven good forwards. And when they're fully healthy, Alex Tuck can play on the third line, and Alex Tuck can help generate some offense and carry that third line. When Tuck has to move up, Third line's Nick Waugh, Cody Glass, Keegan Colesar. It's just not very good. And this is where, I, like, I think the Golden Knights, they need to make a trade. They need to either add a third-line center or third-line left winger that's better than Glass, Waugh, Colesar. Because, again, you're one injury away in the playoffs from having basically two unplayable lines. Like, if you get to the playoffs and Waugh, Glass, and Colesar is your third line, you can't give that line a lot of ice time. Like, you're not going to be confident that they're going to produce anything for you. anything so you can't be that top heavy 
in the playoffs and expect to be good. So they probably need to trade for somebody or you get, you count on Cody glass to who's, who's been fine this season, but you need Cody glass to be a lot better than fine. If you're not going to make a move there. But the other thing to me that it does it besides the depth is again, it's one game. So maybe we shouldn't yeah. overreact to it. But no. Well, let's Max, do that. Max Pacioretty, he had his lowest individual expected goals of the season last night. Yeah. He had one scoring chance in that game. Max Pacioretty's a good player. Max Pacioretty's a good goal scorer. When he plays with Mark Stone, though, he becomes one of the 10 best goal scorers in hockey, like he's been yeah. this season. And I think when you lose Mark Stone, obviously it hurts the players he plays with, but I think it makes Max Pacioretty more average than anybody would like to admit. And you look at their career numbers, like when Pacioretty and Stone play together, their Corsi and expected goals is around 58%. When Pacioretty plays with anybody not named Mark Stone, it's 43%. Yeah. Like, he'll be okay. He's a good player. But when he plays with Mark Stone, he's one of the 10 best goal scorers in the NHL this season. And if Stone's not there, I, I don't know that Pacioretty's really yeah. that good. Let me ask you this. Uh, and, I, you know, Ben did a good job, you know, uh, pointing it out in terms of salary. Would you get a perfect fit? What would you have to give up? What do you, in terms of assets, and you know, people all always said in the past, Glass and people like that. Oh, I think they're pretty set on keeping Cody Glass and moving forward with them. Like, what assets do you think they have right now to get who you're talking about, a third line center or, or left winger that they could give up? Do you think it'd be mostly draft picks, or is there anyone on this team that you could move that people would want in you know in return of giving you back someone like that? I mean, it's probably going to be draft picks at the end of the day, and they've done a pretty good job trading away draft picks for guys like Chandler Stevenson was worth a fifth-round pick. Um, you know, Alec Martinez was, what, two second-round picks. So yeah. they've, they've done a decent job of acquiring good players or useful players with just picks. But, I mean, you could conceivably trade Peyton Krebs if you really wanted to okay. go all in this year. Um, I mean, he's, you know, a first round pick, a center. I, I don't know that they would. I don't, I think they'd value Peyton Krebs more than that one extra piece on this team, but you could, the, the real key and, and it comes back to what the hell's up with Robin Leonard is, could you trade one yeah. of the two goalies? Like that, right. that's the key at the end of the day. Can you trade one of the two goalies? Because, you know, Flurry's playing at a level right now. That's good enough that you'd have to actually think you get some value back for him. So can you trade one of the two goalies? But at the end mm -hmm. of the day, we don't know where Robin Leonard is. We don't know, like what's we don't know if Robin Leonard's going to be able to play again this season. So nah. I, you can't do that. You can't trade Marc Andre Fleury because what? No, <laughs> if you're counting on Robin Leonard, like where is he? What's wrong with him? Nobody knows. You know, so you know, know. They, they were going to keep they were going to keep Danks until he let that last one in. Now he's on the block. <laughs> Now you're gonna, once once you let that soft one at the end, it's like, yeah, we can move this guy for somebody. Logan Thompson, very good at the AHL level. Maybe I it's time. I don't know that goaltending at the AHL translates very well to the NHL. Fighting uh, certainly doesn't. So, but yeah, I mean, making a move at the deadline, it's going to be picks more than likely. And the Golden Knights, they still have... They have all their first round picks. They don't have they're not missing any. I think in this upcoming draft in the summer they'll have two second round picks as well. Um so they they've got some assets that they could trade if they needed to. It's just a matter of, you know, how much you have to give up and, and how good of a player do you get back. Because if you're not willing to give much up, you're not gonna get a player back that's a difference maker. You might get back another right. 
Keegan Colasar, and then we're looking right. and saying, oh, they got another Keegan Colasar, which at the end of the day, if you get another Keegan Colasar and you replace Ryan Reeves with him, then your team's actually a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, uh, gotta gotta find the net once. That that poor guy, man, he's he's snake, but he had a like Ben said, he had another chance last night. He just it just doesn't happen for him. I mean, is he snake bit or is he just not that good? Well, it's a good question. <laughs> I mean, they ob- like well, they obviously they obviously think he's good enough with the whole waiver situation and keeping hold of him. So someone in that organization thinks eventually he's going to be really good. Like they, he's he's played better than expected, but it's not. Yeah. We're still not talking about like some great goal scorer over here that's just had a, a stretch here where he can't finish. Well, We've literally listen, never to, seen him score. I mean, you have to score a goal to be a great sco- goal scorer. I, I'm going to break like you know like uh, Henry Ruggs is fast. Let me tell you something. Mario's You're going to be a great goal scorer. You've got to get. You've got to score a goal. <laughs> that, that's that's my Tuesday reaction on the overreaction from losing to the Minnesota Wild. How about uh, would you have? I kind of thought that you might uh, do this. Would you ever do what Marcia so did last night and give the little slash there at the end? Is that is that your kind of hockey? Okay, so here's here, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with what Jonathan Marshall so did. Guy's got an empty net breakaway. Yeah, you just tackle the guy. Don't let him score. Here's okay. here's my problem though. In hockey, we should never have awarded goals, right? Like last night, if you get if you get a breakaway against an empty net and somebody commits a penalty, the referees can award the goal even if the puck doesn't go in the net. That right. should never happen. In the sport of hockey, the puck has to go in the net. For it to be considered a goal. That should so just what be, would you do? Be it. Okay, so there's two options here. Number one, you could just have the hilarious everybody rolls their eyes option of make the guy take a penalty shot against an empty net, which oh, I would find hilarious that'd because be everybody great. would hate it. But number two, what I think you should do, the player who had the open net on offense will get the puck at the blue line. The player okay. who committed the penalty will stand in goal, and he can... <laughs> He can upgrade his helmet. He can upgrade his normal helmet. He can go steal his goalie's oh, helmet and he wear can go his to the go- Yeah, he can go to the gold helmet. That'd help let's, him. Okay. let's protect his face with an actual goalie's yeah. helmet, but yeah. no other equipment updates. But he stands in goal. Referee blows the whistle, and they, they can charge. They can do whatever the hell they want, but they can charge at each other, whatever, and you, you got a chance to score against just a, a, a skater is what Wait you have second. as an offensive player. Wait a second. Charge at each other like gladiators and horses coming at each other? Well, I mean, they're not just going to stand there, are they? Well, I mean, the, I look, guy, the guy with the puck's trying to score. Jonathan Marshall right. doesn't have any goalie equipment, so he can't just stand I mean, in the net. He's got to go take it from him. If I'm pissed the guy slashed me, and I'm looking at the clock and saying five seconds, which pretty much you just got to win the face-off, the game's over, I might be shooting as hard as I can not wanting to hit the net. <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, if, if that guy's standing, it's like, yeah, you just tried to take my legs out. Wait, well, stand in there, buddy. I might miss the net, but it's going to hit something. There's another layer to this as well. Um, like in soccer, when a player takes a PK and it's saved, the ball is in play. It's live right away. As soon as the guy takes a shot in this situation or the puck is stolen, everybody else on the the, the play is live. Everybody else can join the play. They can all stand at center ice. And as soon as there's a shot taken so, or as soon as Marcia so steals it, everybody else joins the play. Okay. So as soon as it whacks off the guy's head and he's down for the count, the other people rush in and get the, and go the other way and, yeah, and leave absolutely. their guy lying on the ice? Yes, yes. Leave him there. <laughs> no score. You got like – last night you got like five seconds. You got to make it yeah. quick. 
I thought uh, I thought you were going to say uh, bring Flurry out and have him take a have him take a, a penalty, uh, or have him take a shootout and, and and try to score in Flurry. I thought no, that's that's, that's way too hard because he, it was an empty net. But I'm saying you know make Jonathan Marchessault play goalie without any pads, just the helmet. It'll be great. It'll be <laughs> Mark way more entertaining. Mark Andre Fleury tossing him his helmet. Here you go, buddy. Yeah, it'll be way uh, more entertaining. And then listen, once if the if the guy doesn't score, now Marchessault's skating around with this goalie helmet on. I say free range for him to headbutt people. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, if he's not knocked out on the ice because the guy shot at 180 miles an hour at him. Ah, he'll be fine. They take <laughs> shots. They block shots uh, all the time. I'll no tell you what, deal. if that happened, it would definitely be a lower body injury. We wouldn't see that guy for months. Oh, yeah. Zach Whitecloud <laughs> hits his head on the ice, comes back in the game. Like, ah, yeah, uh, no big deal. Like, that was a concussion, wasn't it? Nope, nope. We don't nope, know what those nope. are around here. Upper body injury. He, uh, he tweaked something. He'll be he'll be out for three months or one period, depending on how bad the tweak is. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. And, uh, yeah, I, today's been a mess. I forgot what Bischoff's Briefs are. So find out next. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, I'm not going to cave in. End of story, dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, dude, dude. Dude, 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 dude. Bischoff's briefs. Dude. Bischoff's briefs. I guess you've got a point there. UNLV's football schedule is out. We knew the teams they were going to play, but now we have the scheduling. The order of those teams, Eastern Washington, Arizona State, Iowa State at the first three, and they open against uh, Fresno State for conference play on September 25th. But I have one thing I'm very annoyed with. I hate that they moved the game against Nevada to Nevada Day weekend. They will play Nevada on October 30th instead of at the end of the season. Now, that is Nevada Day weekend. That is a special weekend in this state. But I hate rivalry games that are not at the end of the season, specifically for teams like UNLV. Because you know what happens for a team like UNLV? They get eliminated from bowl eligibility at some point in October every year. And what does the rest of the season even mean at that point? Not much. No, nobody really cares too much about what's happening. After that, except for no, I'm okay. okay. Except for the final game of the season against is it against Nevada? This year we won't have that. This year they're going to play Nevada on October 30th, and if they're eliminated from bowl eligibility at that game, they're going to play four games the rest of the season against New Mexico, Hawaii, San Diego State, and Air Force that nobody cares about. There will be zero reason to pay attention to UNLV football for those last four games of the year because they're not going to be eligible for a bowl game. They're not even going to have a chance to be eligible for a bowl game, and they're not playing the one game that anybody in this city cares about, and that is against Nevada. I hate it. It makes the end of the season for a bad team like UNLV completely useless when in, when normally you play Nevada at the end, and it's something everybody cares about, even if UNLV's got two or three wins. Okay, so I'm going to agree with you and not lose sleep over it, but... 
uh, every rivalry, every rivalry game, if at all possible, should always be last. It makes no sense. You know, it's like USC UCLA in the third week. That would make no sense. I mean, it doesn't. I don't know why these schedules. Now a lot of it has to do with TV. I get all that. I'm not going to get into that. I don't know it well enough. But you're exactly right about this one, especially. This is not USC UCLA. This is not like you know big big the biggest rivalries in the country. This is you know. UNR against UNLV. This should always be last. You should find some way to make UNLV against UNR, of which only one state cares about and follows, the last game of every season. It just makes no sense for this not to be the last game. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it there for a while and then they switched it up again? Yeah, so it, it's been on Nevada Day yeah, before. Yeah. Um, right. They and And... They used to not be in the same conference, so it hasn't always been into the year either because, you know, when you're not in the same conference, it's a little bit harder to make it the last game of the year because both teams have to play a conference schedule. So it hasn't always been the end of the year, but now that they're in the same conference, and here's the other part of this, the schools have some input on this most years. The schools can, you know, they're not going to always get granted, but they can make requests. They can ask for, hey... We'd like to play, you know, against our rival on this weekend. And I'm sh- what I'm sure happened here is at least one of, if not both, Marcus Arroyo and Jay Norvell told the Mountain West they want to play on Nevada Day. Or maybe it was the athletic directors. I don't know who it was. But I, I bet this was a request from at least one of, if not both, of the schools to play on Nevada Day instead of the end of the year. And I, I hate that. Like, play it at the end yeah. of the year because now – okay, October 30th is going to be fun. Like, you're going to play your rival on October 30th, but what happens after that? Like, if you lose to if you lose to Nevada on October 30th, and that, like, let's say that game eliminates you from bowl eligibility, what, what are we doing the last four games of the season for UNLV football? Like, n- none of it matters anymore. It's like last year when they lost to Nevada in the second game of the season. What, what are we doing the rest of the year? None of it really matters, and, oh, they lost all the games and nobody did care. So, I hate it. Now, the other part of the schedule is uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my ranking here. The top five teams that they can most likely beat this upcoming season. Number one on the list is at New Mexico. I think they've got a chance to win a road game against the other terrible team in the conference. Number two on the list is a home game against Eastern Washington. Now. Eastern Washington is one of the 25 best FCS schools FCS is playing right now, but it's still FCS. It's a home game. I think they're going to have a solid chance to win that one. Number three is a home game against Utah State. Utah State was also atrocious last season. Uh, They have a new head coach coming in. Presumably year two of Marcus Arroyo should be better of year one of whoever the other coach is, so they should have a chance to win that one. Those are the top three. Those are the three I think they have a legitimate chance to win. After that, it gets a little questionable. I'll put a road game at UTSA on here. UTSA is a solid Ooh, program. They know. fit in. That's what I'm saying. Well, who else? No, no, no. You find somebody no, else I, on no. this schedule. Yeah, yeah. that's no. that's the yeah. one. So at UTSA, maybe. And then the fifth one is Hawaii mm. at home Hawaii. simply because yeah. – Every time they play Hawaii, I kind of expect the final score to be 33-31. to 31. And yeah. somebody makes a play at the end and wins that golden pineapple. That's, you know, Hawaii's not great, but for some reason these two teams tend to play really fun games every single year. So those are the five games I look at and say, okay, they could win those. I don't think there's a sixth game that you look at and say, yeah, they could win that that doesn't require a significant upset. So you're saying New Mexico stinks. 
They do. Uh, because you put them ahead of Eastern Washington. They do. They are very bad. Of, and it's on the road. So you really put them ahead of Eastern Washington. Well, are uh, we sure New Mexico is going to be allowed to play home games? Well, that's the other thing. You, you, they could be playing New Mexico in Reno um, or wherever, whatever school they, they need to go to play a game at. Uh, all right. We don't know it yet. At least I don't think we do. Um, I don't follow it that closely. But what's the opening uh, total at the books? Two and a half? Uh, that probably sounds good. I mean, they're, uh, we, we should we should uh, ask Brad Powers how many games they'll yeah. be favored in because I'm guessing... Okay, they'll be... F- They'll be favored against Eastern Washington, and yeah, then... they might. They'll probably be fa- like right now. They'd probably be Utah favored State. at home against Utah State because yeah, it's Utah at State. home. And so then... those two, New I don't Mexico, even know on the road. I don't even not. know on the road. Yeah, no, probably not on the road. Not. Um, so they'll no. probably be favored in two. They'll be New Mexico. They'll be like a one or two point underdog at New Mexico. It won't be a massive number, and then the rest of them. They're probably going to be underdogs by five, six, seven points or more in every single game. I mean, at UTSA, they're probably five or six point underdogs, and that's maybe the closest it gets from there. The rest of them, I mean, at Air Force is going to be more than a touchdown underdog. Arizona State, Iowa State's definitely going to be. So, yeah, two and a half is probably the number for UNLV win total this year. Man, that's tough. Hawaii's, uh, I agree with you in Hawaii. You never know. You always, with me on Hawaii, it's like you kind of have an idea how good UNLV is going to be. Hawaii is like always one of those teams like, okay, who's their quarterback? Are they scoring as many points as here? And if it's, you know, if it's a usual Hawaii team, I would think Hawaii is going to win. But Hawaii is one of those teams like I never know until you see them play. Uh, but the rest of them, Iowa State's a top 10 team in the country this year. At Arizona State, Arizona State's obviously going to be better. Um, you know, at Air Force to end. That's a weird game in that they obviously won't be favored to win it. That's again. That's more Air Force than UNLV. Like, are they beat up? What are they like at the end of a year? Like, it's more about them than UNLV because obviously they're not going to be favored to win at Air Force. San Diego State, they won't be favored to win. Uh, barely ever beat them. So yeah, San Jose State. Is San Jose, by the way, is San Jose State bringing that court. Did he come back for another year? Because um, if that guy came back for another year, I think they're they're not going to be as good as them. He I might think have taken so, advantage. But I don't. I yeah. don't know. I don't. Well, know. if he did, then they're not going to beat him. I'm not um, going to pretend to be a San Jose State football expert today. <laughs> I'm going to check that in the break. <laughs> All right. I have three questions. The first one okay. is, is I thought the reason that we had to play it on Nevada Day was so that the governor got the day off and he could wear his special hat. Governor can take every day off. I mean, I, I hope he doesn't. He can. Um, he can take whatever day he wants off. He can take. This is the. They don't really pay the Saturday after Thanksgiving. He can have that day off too. Fine. Second thing was someone taking a pill at the beginning of the segment. A pill? No. Okay. No. I heard no. the rattling of a pill bottle. And the third thing no. was Tyler. What were you powering through? I had some hiccups or something coming. I don't know what those were. I don't know. I, I was like. It, does he need water? Nope. No, he's, I, he's, I was just, just going to force his way through this sentence. Ah, you get like I, a hiccup I, or a burp and you try to swallow it. That's what we were doing there. This <laughs> okay. is uh, this is your uh, uh, high-speed sports wire breaking news update. Uh, San Jose State quarterback uh, Nick Starkle will return. So that's not good for them. Oh, All Mountain West. All Mountain West. <laughs> that's not that is not a win <laughs> for you and OB. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Deshaun Reed will join the show as we'll jump into the 
Trent Brown trade and what the Raiders are actually going to do in free agency and if it'll be any better than the last few seasons. Hope to get Trent back and ready to roll for next season. He's he's a great player. He is a great football player. He's just got to get healthy. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from The Athletic is Tashawn Reed. Uh, Tashawn, do you know if LeBron James ever got traded for a fifth-round pick? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I guess that, that comparison is kind of coming back to haunt him, huh? <laughs> uh, so what do, you, what do you make of the Trent Brown exit here? What the Raiders got for him? Is it, do you think it's good, bad? Like, what do you make of the trade they, had, they got with the Patriots? Uh, I'm not as much focused on the compensation. I just, it's pretty much a salary cap dump. Um, you know, not to say that a fifth round pick is worthless because you know you can find some gems here and there, but I would say probably more often, um, that's probably averages out to be a productive backup player in this league, right? And so I think it was more about shedding that $14 million in salary that came with Trent Brown. And, um, it seems like they got to a point that even if he was healthy, they just didn't feel like, you know, they, that he was up to, up to par so far throughout his time with the team to be worth paying $14 million. And uh, there are a couple, you know, right tackle options out there, free agency and, and some others through the draft they could potentially replace him with that, that wouldn't cost as much just in terms of salary there. So I'm not as much focused on what they got back for him. I mean, it's pretty much a wash. You know, it's not what you want, um, you know, for a player that you paid that much money or a player his caliber, but it's more about that free agency money. Tashawn, where uh, and we can talk about other uh, uh, signings that they've made that they've cut loose now that didn't work out. But let's go Trent specifically because uh, he's on uh, Twitter this morning saying it's not about money; it's where you're happy, which is a little ironic given how much money he got for 16 games. Where do you put the onus on this though? Is this was this more about Trent Brown or is this more about the Raiders made a bad bad move? Well, I wouldn't say they made a bad move. I mean, it's kind of hard to project um, guys getting injured like that. He did have some some injuries. Uh, with the 49ers, he had a shoulder injury, but he had been healthy with the Patriots and, and helped them win the Super Bowl, obviously. And so uh, at the time, it, it made perfect sense. You know, they, they couldn't necessarily foresee that, you know, he'd have another shoulder injury his first year. And then um, you know, obviously the second year, you know, having a calf injury and, and kind of freak stuff with COVID and, you know, the botched IV. And so I think it's, it's more so, I don't even know if you want to put that on Brown fully because obviously COVID is something that was unique to last year and probably this year. And then whatever happened with his IV in the locker room, that was more so a team thing. Uh, but I don't think the initial move was a bad move. It just you know, obviously became one because he just wasn't on the field enough. And so it's one of those things that happens sometimes. You know, anytime we're in a sport, you know, like football, guys get hurt. And so um, it's always easy to look back and say, ah, right, that was a bad move. But Honestly, you know, when they signed him, who could have predicted that he'd only play, you know, 16 games in two years? So, who's the offensive line next year for the Raiders? <laughs> to be determined, mostly. Right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, at the guard spot, really all they have on the roster right now is John Simpson. Uh, and, you know, I don't think he's ready to start yet, so you would think that, you know, we, we reported that, you know, it, it seems like Richie Incognito would probably be back on a cheaper deal and, you would think they would want to bring Denzel Good back, who is, who is pretty good, I think, this year at right guard, or, or left guard, my bad, filling in for, for Incognito. So I think ideally you would like to bring back Incognito and Good to start at your guard spots, have John Simpson as kind of the backup guard. Um, and then, you know, the main objective from there is going out and getting another right tackle. Um, you know, there are some options in free agency, like I said, and uh, it should be a little bit cheaper than, than what Brown was. And then also uh, if they want to use, 
um, you know, draft capital and getting to tackle. There are some guys. The only tricky part with the draft is, you know, it just depends which defensive needs they feel through free agency. You know, if they show up the defensive line in the free agency, then, then you know, maybe it makes sense to go ahead and, and draft the tackle there at number 17. But if they don't, you know, get a get an edge rusher in free agency or a defensive tackle or both, then it, it might be kind of hard to justify passing on, on the defensive side of the ball given their struggles their last season. So it's really interesting to see, you know, which direction they choose to go with it. Do you just go get a veteran? Um, and free agency, even if it's somebody that maybe not be the long-term solution, but more of a short-term thing, and, and then try to fix it in the future, you know, especially considering, I mean, the defense was just awful last year, so it, it feels kind of tough to spend high draft capital on, on an offensive position when you have so many needs to fill on the defense side of the ball. Yeah, uh, um, you went right into my next question, because uh, Chris Godwin got tagged. Uh, the Bears are going to have to make a decision on tagging Allen Robinson, and obviously the Raiders need so much more help defensively, so if for whatever reason, Robinson's out there and his number's around 15 or 16. Would you even consider that, or is it more bring Aguilar back, hope your young guys improve, and go all the money on defense? Now, I think you have to consider it if, it, if a, a player of his caliber uh, is, is interested, but I don't think that's what they should do. I think they'd better, be better served spending that money. Uh, you know, they need a starting free safety. And if they argue they need a starting defensive end, they definitely need a starting defensive tackle. Um, starting Nickelback now or LaMarcus Joyner being gone. You know, if you can spread that money out and, and address multiple positions on the defensive side of the ball, I think that would be a better way to use the money, especially considering, you know, the offense, you know, was a top 10 unit last season and you did pretty well with Nelson Aguilar out there. Um, and even if it's not him, you know, they have some other veteran guys in free agency like Marvin Jones or, or some of those, those veteran wide receivers they may be able to get for a cheaper dollar amount. So, yeah, I just don't, you know, I don't think, Spending big money on offense or, or high draft capital on offense this year would, would be in their best interest. Uh, what do you think of the potential of them signing AJ Bouye? Is that a is that a good signing that gives them a for sure starter over a Damon Arnett in the secondary? Uh, that was an intriguing kind of visit, I guess, because uh, I, I was even more so needing a nickelback this offseason. Uh, I mean, if you draft a guy 19th overall, uh, you know, I, I would think. He, you're banking on him being your starter to come. Not to say that just because you have a, a veteran stop gut that that would impede him from you know taking over in year three, four, and five, and so on. But uh, you know, on that, you know, he, he plays in nickel in college, so maybe you could move him inside. But um, from everything they said, they view him as an outside corner. So I'm not too sure. I, I see the fit there as far as adding uh, an outside cornerback, unless they just don't think that Arnett is ready on the outside. You know, it's a different story, but. You know, I, I think they should, you know, give him and and uh, you know Trayvon Bowen another chance as, as the outside corners and, and focus on bringing in the veteran at the nickelback and, and free safety spots to kind of give that secondary some some stability. Uh, we assume he's out of the lab by now, and from what he's seen on tape, how how much does Gus Bradley dictate these moves now? I mean, everyone says, okay, Gruden's the last say. We all we all kind of agree with that that he has the last say, but. Do they now lean on Gus Bradley for guys he's had in the past and who he's more comfortable with in terms of bringing in or even in the draft? Yeah, I think you have to give him a certain level of input, uh, you know, when it comes to building around a defense to, to fit his system, being that, that cover three scheme out of the 4-3. Um, you, know, you can't go get, you know, a bunch of 3-4 players or, or, you know, cornerbacks and safeties that only can play man and can't play his own. You're going to set yourself up for failure, right? And so... You have to get his input, and I'm sure they are. You know, I would expect so. Uh, you know, with them making making the transition from Paul Gunther, um, you know, going out and hiring another guy, you think you would give him the pieces that he needs to to maximize his system and allow it to work in the best way possible. So, 
you know, I think he has, you know, obviously, like you said, the, the final decision is always going to come down to John Gruden and, and where he thinks is best. But I think they'd be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't try to make signings that fit within that cover three scheme. More importantly, uh, when the hell are they trading for Russell Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> it's, it's, I guess same time they're trading for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking Derek Carr's going to be the quarterback again in 2021. I know that he's a polarizing guy, and a lot of people don't want to hear that, but I, I think he's going to end up being back. There is no chance, after what I saw at that NASCAR race, of how he started the engines that he's being traded. I mean, that guy, he came in on that helicopter. I've never seen someone more fired up to tell you, gentlemen, start your engines. I looked at the guy next to me in the press box. I said, that's it. He's got to be coming back. He would not be this excited. Yeah, he looks comfortable, man. Because he knows he's coming back. He's not going anywhere. (laughs) How, I mean, and and let's say, and he, you know, he likes to say, I don't listen. I don't read. I don't know if anyone believes that. Because I think at some point everyone reads and everyone listens and, and they know what's being said. How much has that kind of mantra for him, do you think, motivated him or pushed him? Do you believe that? Or do you think he has been told, listen, don't listen to any of this. You're going to be the guy for a long time. Well, I think the, you know, I don't listen to read the stuff as a lie. I mean, like he said it in the, in the press conference, or one of our first press conferences before last season, you know, he, he said he saw the, the newspaper story or whatever about Tom Brady being, you know, them, them shopping and, and trying to get in, into the mix with him. Uh, and so you don't see that unless you're looking at it, right? <laughs> so, right. but I do, I do think that kind of and all the, you know, every year, you know, whether it's from the fan base or, or the media, you know, he gets these critiques as being like this average quarterback who, you know, can't push the team over the top. And so I'm sure that motivated him. You know, any competitor, you hear that kind of stuff, is going to push you to to want to do better. Not that not to say that he already didn't want to do that because you know they've been falling short uh, since that 2016 season in their quest to make the playoffs. And so. Obviously, for them to get over that hump, he needs to get better, and, and there's some improvements that he still has to make, even though he had a really good season last year. And so, um, I don't think it's a bad thing, you know, to, to be aware of what people are saying about you and use that as motivation if you so choose. I mean, some of the, the best, greatest athletes of all time have done that. And so, not a knock on them. I know, kind of in this social media realm, it's kind of you get labeled as being soft or sensitive and do those kind of things. But um, as long as it's not changing his approach, you know, kind of in a, in a negative way, um, I don't think it's an issue. Uh, one year from now, do you think we're talking about Derek Carr signing an extension with the Raiders? Um, you know, it kind of depends. I mean, you know, if they if they fall short again this upcoming season and don't make the playoffs, I think they could that could be something that they look to to move on from. But you know, if they finally get over the hump this year and get into the playoffs and maybe win a game, you know, I, I think that would kind of fuel. Um, you know, the kind of the, the motivation to, to sign into an extension and keep it going, um, especially if he plays in that same caliber that he did last season or, or better. Um, you know, it's really hard to find a top 10-ish quarterback in the league. You know, they don't necessarily come available every year. Um, you know, we thought we were going to see one maybe with, with Dak Prescott in his situation, but he just signed a, a big extension. So, I mean, you have to look at the landscape uh, you know, who are you going to go get if it's not Derek Carr? And, you know, they're not going to be bad enough, I don't think, to, to get a, a pick that's high enough to draft a, a quarterback that can come in and, and take over day one. So if you don't have a viable option out there that you can reasonably go get, whether it's through, through trade or free agency, then why would you move on from a top-10 guy or a top-15 guy just to do it? You know, it doesn't make much sense. So I, I think it's more likely at this point. You know, if you told me to put a percentage on it, I'd probably say like 65 55% surety he'll be back you know, on the extension. But 
you know, it kind of depends, you know, to a degree what happens this upcoming season. Have you already forgotten the names of the guys that were in the NBA dunk contest? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot them all three. Perfect. He is yeah, Deshaun Reed from The <laughs> Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Deshaun Reed. Deshaun, we appreciate it. Thanks, Deshaun. All right. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Hey, that, that's better than you and I who, going in, didn't even know the name. Like, who's that guy? Like, oh, that was awesome. Uh, the dunk contest. Okay. Well, kiss the rim. It was almost good. Almost close. All right. Coming up next, it's the dessert uh, menu where uh, we have – oh, you have something good? Oh, I have something. I want to have, I have right. something, but I want to surprise you. Okay. Well, Ed will surprise us with the, in the dessert menu next. Oh, that's right. Thanks, Jared. William Hill is giving you a free 50 bucks to bet when you sign up for a new mobile sports account. Use the promo code GET50, that is G-E-T-5-0, and then when you make a minimum $50 in sports bets, you'll get a free 50 bucks in your account from William Hill. You get a free $50, and you can place all your bets straight from your phone as long as you are in Nevada. It's Bet50, Get50 from William Hill. Just remember the promo code GET50. For more details, visit WilliamHill.us. Let's end the show with something sweet. This is the Dessert Menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. Buckingham Palace has responded to the interview. This has been the Dessert Menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at SilverStateCU.com. I waited for this. I waited for this. Oh, God. All right. Okay. Here, hold on. So, Buckingham, Buckingham Palace says Ed. racism allegations oh. from Meghan and Harry's TV interview are taken very seriously, and the couple remained much loved by the royal family. <laughs> okay. I have a lot of questions about this, first <laughs> off. Did the actual palace itself respond? Why, why is the headline Buckingham Palace? Did not a, a human didn't say that? The building itself said it? It's encompassed into the the the, uh, the yeah the palace. What's the word for it? I wish my wife was still here. Um, the the organization they they make the decisions on all this, and that was one of Markle's situations where she's like, I can't say anything, and it's not even like the queen. It's the organization. What's it called, Bob? The firm. Oh, the firm. That's Bonnie in the background. It's called the firm. <laughs> Good radio here. Good radio here on the press box on a Tuesday. We're all from home talking to people. I've got men in the garage if you hear background noise working on something. But it's called the firm, and the firm makes all decisions and makes all statements. So the firm made the statement that they are still much loved. We take these allegations of racism very seriously, and we will look into this. I mean, I would have really enjoyed had the statement been those two people talking to Her Majesty Oprah. Her Majesty Oprah. <laughs> so that's not much of a response, though. That's like the college athletic department when they when somebody breaks news that their coach is a scumbag says, oh, we take this seriously. We are looking into it. Well, that's not an actual I mean, response, though. That's just saying, okay. We know everybody else finally found out, so I guess we'll look into it. They're, uh, yeah, they're, they're not going to look into bleep. They were doing yeah. bleep. Yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it. For the firm to say anything, if you listened, if you watched the interview, 
it's like this is the greatest response ever because usually they're like we're not saying anything to anybody like we don't have to tell you anything you will say no comment to everything and hand over your passport and your driver's license we now own you so this this would seem to be a huge response that they even like they even you know uh, acknowledge the interview took place okay to put it in perspective and to, to agree with ed one of their family members has just been in pictures for the last 30 years with Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> and they haven't released a statement about that. <laughs> Why were you on the island? We don't have any comment on that. Uh, yeah. I mean, if they're not going to respond to that, this is amazing that they even responded to that interview. I mean, you knew they watched it. Everyone was going to watch it back there, and they were all going to watch it. But to come out and say, you know, we understand this is bad. These are bad things they're saying. We still love them, all that. That's huge for the, for, for those people. They don't usually say anything about anybody. Okay, so we have a, a, a very devout Australian listener, and we have questions about Australia. We can just ask him on here, and he'll eventually reply to us. <laughs> Do we have any listeners in England? Because my just simpleton question is, why does the royal family exist? It, man, this, like is, they don't, this is so complicated. That was not for you to answer, Jared, because I do not trust you to give me an actual valid answer. I live with British here. people. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you don't think one of my first questions was, why are they called ministers? And also, right. why do you basically have a... The, your head of state is basically a cat that you pamper. So, so what you expect me to do right now is that you at one point in your life were living with British people, which means there were British people that were as down in their life as you are. <laughs> and you asked those people for what they thought about the richest family in that country. And then you expect me to, A, not only believe what they say, but believe your interpretation of it years later, there's this is like the worst game of telephone I've ever heard. There's no chance this is going to be a good response. Yeah, there's probably like 4chan forums that are going to be a, have more clear messaging. You you are correct. But and knowing you, 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 you were probably to. wasted when you asked the question. No, well, we had just arrived at the pub. <laughs> You, you need to give a long answer as I mute myself because of the construction in the background. Good radio here in the okay. press box. And this, again, this could be completely wrong, but their head of state is kind of like a cat. Like, it's, it's it, they don't want the prime minister, or they, they want someone to be, like, sort of a ceremonial figurehead that so that they could be like, all right, they are not in charge, but they're sort of like the public face of the... Yeah. country so but it's sort why? of like a designated pr director but but the they one don't comment on anything what kind of a pr yeah. director but, is but that they, but they go but she goes out and she waves and everybody goes oh look it's the queen it's sort of like roger goodell like everyone knows yeah. jerry jones is actually in charge but you send roger out there he's the one people are ah oh, this gosh darn person Ah, we need to do this, but then he just smiles and waves, and he gets booed at the draft. And meanwhile, Jerry gets to make you know go hang out on a bus with the refs. Yeah, and if you watch the one thing that surprised me, I don't know if you watch this on the Netflix series The Crown, and it takes it through the royal family, and right now it's up to like uh, when Diana came into it. Like according to this, according to this show, the Queen has a weekly sit down with the Prime Minister, and what I was surprised at is what Jared's saying is. It appears the queen has a lot more power than people think she is. They're like, oh, they're figureheads of the royal family. You know, everyone loves them, but they're really figureheads. If this show is at all factual, 
She oh. has far more power than I thought she would, because she in most of those scenes, the prime minister was bowing on his way in or her way in, bowing on the way out, and kind of listening to what she had to say. Oh no, like she, her opinion matters. Like, yeah, I believe, I believe she's the only one. If they wanted to nuke somebody, like if they oh, got geez. finally <laughs> tired of France and they were like, we're done with it. <laughs> The queen, I believe, is the only person who can say, let's do it. <laughs> First off, do they have nukes? Second off, I think France is too close <laughs> that if they nuked France, they would nuke themselves. Well, that's... Uh, oh, hold on, hold on. Yes, they have nukes because that was a key part of the whole Scotland wants to leave uh, the UK and Scotland was like, we have all your nukes. Okay. <laughs> Scotland is where the nukes are. Okay, so... Scotland, 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 Scotland can nuke... England is what you're telling me at the end of the day here. Well, no, except um, there's a bunch of English people in Scotland who are in charge. So uh, Ed's knowledge is from a TV show. Jared's knowledge is yes. from um, yes. uh, some guy he talked to 10 years ago at a bar. Um, yeah. I'm just going to guess that they only exist for tourism now. <laughs> right? So, when, she, if you, so she can wave to all the stupid Americans, wave it back? Well, no, because you, you go to you go to London and you see all the stuff like Buckingham Palace and all this other old stuff associated with kings and queens. They got like castles in that country that kings and queens lived at. So, like, the only reason to keep it going is for tourism, right? Like, that's that, my that's my guess here. I will say that, that Listen, one year, oh, <laughs> one year Harry Potter generated more tourism yeah. than the Queen, and it, that was like a national headline. Right, so why not have Harry Potter and the Queen? You don't have to choose between. Make Harry Potter the king. <laughs> Can Daniel Radcliffe be the king? <laughs> that would be awesome. Right? I'll leave you. you I'll leave you with this. I don't care about him because you know where I'm oh, from. Jesus. Oh Jesus! <laughs> you're getting you're getting nuked by Scotland too, just yes. so you know. Hey, we had we're good close Friday to Accords. We're a boat. We're a boat right away. Also. Yeah, you nuke Ireland. Yeah, nuke Ireland and the whole, the whole England. Everything's going down in Europe. This was a disaster of a show. No, this was the this was the greatest dessert menu we've had in a long time. See you tomorrow.